Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the true story of David Temple, a Texas football star. Everyone wanted to know him, be recognized by him. His stunning, charismatic wife, Belinda. They clicked immediately. And his mistress, Heather. He wasn't a monogamous kind of guy. He's what a lot of people would call a player. They were gifted with looks, charm, and talent, but nobody gets to have it all. And soon they would all be left with nothing. It was, it was horrible. It took my breath away. Beware. Extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. It's the fall of 1986, and the high school football team in Katy, Texas, is enjoying unprecedented success. Well, Katy is kind of the epitome of Friday night lights. Football controls the city on Friday nights during the season. How they feel about themselves, part of it is judged on how the football team is doing. It's a major part of the community. And there's one football player who stands out from the rest, David Temple. Led the team to an undefeated season, a district championship, and was the star linebacker and the root of their defense. And all it could do was project David Temple to local celebrity. He was a very aggressive person, you know, on the football field and off. Like, look at me, you know who I am, type of person. Everyone wanted to know him, be his friend, be recognized by him. When you're a local celebrity, it's a very powerful experience. You're known by everyone, liked by everyone, and it can really go to your head pretty quickly. David's prowess on the football field earns him a full college scholarship to Stephen F. Austin University in Texas. Once there, 
it's not surprising that girls flock to David's side. And he feels entitled to the prettiest girl in the room. Then one day in the fall of 1990, David sees a striking blonde around campus. Her name is Belinda. Belinda was working with the football team. She was in the athletic program at the same college, and they met through the football program there, and they clicked immediately. Not only is Belinda gorgeous, she has a great personality. She's always had a smile on her face, and she loved life, and she loved people. She was just a wonderful person, you know, and everyone that didn't know her wanted to know her as soon as they met her just simply because she was so much fun to be around. And David is completely taken with Belinda. It's love at first sight. He was very affectionate with her. He always had his arm around her. He would always touch her or, or play with her hair. David could be incredibly romantic. He was the kind of guy who showed up with roses and left little love notes on a windshield when he saw his girlfriend's car. It's a whirlwind courtship. Classmates even give them the nickname, the Golden Couple. And after dating for just 11 months, David proposes. He came over and asked for a hand in marriage, and uh, we thought that was a neat thing. When he proposed, he did it in a very remarkable, unforgettable way. He proposed on the football field where he had all of his great victories, and he got down on his knees and asked her to marry him, and she agreed to. He did everything, the fairy tale way. Very, very romantic. She loved him very much. He was her world. She wanted to be a wife. She wanted to be a mother. That's what she wanted to do. David and Belinda marry in late 1992. They couldn't have been happier. A few years later, David gets a job teaching at a local high school where he also becomes an assistant football coach. And Belinda gets a teaching job at David's alma mater, Katy High School. She's adored by her colleagues. We called her our sunshine lady. She would send cute little emails to teachers, and she was just a bubbly young woman and loved teaching. Belinda cares a lot about her students, and there's one in particular she worries about, Mark, a troubled teen who lives next door to the temples. He was a compulsive truant. He was cutting class most of the time. Belinda had gone over to talk to the parents to tell them that, that the kid needed to show up at school or he was gonna flunk out. She was a, a good teacher, a dedicated teacher. She kind of busted him to the mother, got him in trouble. Belinda was upset that he was missing so much school. Ever the devoted teacher, Belinda goes the extra mile and tries to make a real difference with Mark. But as much as she loves teaching, what she wants is a family. In April of 1995, she gives birth to a son. David and Belinda were very loving parents to their son, both of them. She was a wonderful mother, and he was a very good dad to his son. The young couple settles into parenthood but over the next few months, things change for David. Belinda hasn't lost the weight she's gained in pregnancy. David won't settle for anything but the perfect wife. 
and he lets her know it. David had complained about Belinda's weight in front of other people, including their friends, and he'd been really pretty brutal about it. Belinda's face would fall. She would almost start crying. And she was a very proud, independent, spirited lady. So for her to be that beaten down by a man she still loved and worshiped, it was just terribly sad to hear all those girlfriends know that information. To David, he didn't want a wife that had a few extra pounds. She was breaking a deal. The deal he had with Belinda in his own mind was that she was to be an extension of him. And when she showed this flaw, it was unacceptable to him. He began to lose interest in Belinda. Some people said that he was upset with her for, in his words, letting herself go. Nothing could make David happy, in my opinion. He always wanted more. I would not say that he was happily married and in love, but Belinda was. David drifts further and further away from Belinda. He begins to spend many nights away from home at strip clubs and topless bars. As a football coach, his long hours provide the perfect cover, but soon looking and flirting isn't enough to satisfy David. When many of the coaches uh, went home to their wives and families, Temple was often known to go out to uh, local haunts and try and recruit uh, female companionship. He was very open about what he was doing. He would sometimes leave with the women. And then the following Monday, he sometimes would say to the other teachers, when one of the other teachers would say, well, how did you do on Friday night? And David would say, I scored. He was a cheater. So he really felt that he should be able to be with whoever he wanted. He didn't put boundaries around his relationship. He wasn't a monogamous kind of guy. He's what a lot of people would call a player. Back at home, Belinda knows that something is not right with her marriage, and she's afraid of what it might be. She did say she suspected that maybe something was going on about him seeing someone, but I don't think Belinda wanted to admit to this. I think she uh, was hoping that it was for good reasons that he wasn't coming home on time. But all that changes when she discovers his credit card receipts from the strip clubs. Belinda immediately confronts David, and he has a shallow excuse. He says it's friends, consoling a friend. She was upset by it, but she just kind of said, you know, he's helping friends out. He's trying to be a good friend, trying to listen. And I just let it go. And then David turns the tables on Belinda and decides to put an end to her snooping. He said that he wanted his own checking account, that he didn't want her seeing his bills any longer. The finances in a relationship reveal a truth about what's going on between a couple. And David made a very clear message when he said, I'm going to open up my own checking account so I can basically lie and do whatever I want without you noticing. By the summer of 1998, David and Belinda's relationship begins to sour even more. Things really started to fall apart. They were a lot more miserable in their marriage. They were fighting a lot more. The relationship between David and Belinda Temple hit a crossroads. 
They even take the extreme step of not talking to each other for periods of time. They've gone from being madly in love to acting like complete strangers. They didn't talk for six weeks, and we were a little confused about that because I thought, how can this be not talking to your husband for six weeks? Eventually, Belinda breaks the silence between them. She asked David, do you love me? And he hesitated kind of and said, I don't know. And it just broke her heart. Belinda misjudged David. Because he was the hero on campus doesn't make him good husband material. And it sounds like the reality was slowly sinking into Belinda. Belinda thought she had picked the perfect man, but now her heart is broken. Her dreams are being shattered one by one, and it's only a matter of time before the tensions between them turn deadly. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's 1998 in Katy, Texas, a place of Christian values and football worship. After six years of marriage, high school football coach David Temple has started to stray from his wife, Belinda. He's been going to strip clubs with friends and picking up women in bars. And when David tells Belinda he's not sure if he still loves her, she's completely devastated. But then, the very next day, David's mood changes. Suddenly, he breathes new life into the marriage. David came up behind Belinda, wrapped his arms around her, and said, I do love you. And Belinda was just joyous. She was so excited. And the couple happily rediscovers the spark that first drew them together. There's something exciting about makeup sex because when you get excited by your partner and you're still feeling that sexual attraction, it gives us the message, oh, this really is the right person for me. It's almost like going back to the beginning of the relationship, rediscovering that you love the person, rediscovering that you found the person who you wanted to find. Everything old is new again. And we like new when it comes to sex. Their marriage seemed to be on a better wavelength. They seemed to be getting along better. It wasn't long after that that Belinda found out she was pregnant again. With her marriage in a much better place, Belinda feels very blessed with her second pregnancy. And we were just thrilled because she was having a little girl, and she was so excited about a new little girl. And David's truly happy about the new baby as well. Then, in late August of 1998, David begins a new year at Hastings High School. And the teacher's lounge is livened up by a stunning new addition to the faculty, an English teacher named Heather. Heather was a beautiful lady. Probably a lot of the guys talked about how pretty she was. It doesn't take long for the new teacher to fit right in with the school's all-boys club. Heather was uh, known around Hastings amongst the parents and the staff as being sort of a football coach groupie. She liked hanging around with those guys and spending time with them. I think Heather was flirtatious with a lot of the coaches, a lot of the men, male teachers out there. She did a good job of dangling a few of them at the same time for quite a while. But David Temple is used to coming out on top in every situation, and winning Heather's attention is the perfect challenge. I don't think David Temple ever lost anything or any girl or any game or anything in his whole life. David's very competitive, and if there was a prize, he wanted to get it, and Heather this time was the prize. Soon Heather becomes a regular at the coach's weekly happy hour at the local bar. David spends more and more time talking to her alone. They were spending a lot of time kind of 
segueing off on their own, separate from the group, and people started to look at them like they were kind of a couple. There were a lot of people who didn't actually know that David was married. The romance escalates. Heather invites David over to her apartment, and the relationship goes from exciting flirtation to a full-blown erotic affair. Behind David's pregnant wife's back. When I learned he was having an affair, I was not surprised at all. David is completely caught up in the exciting and beautiful English teacher. And she feels the same way. They were both lusting after each other, almost addicted to one another. They couldn't stay away. They didn't want to stay away. They were each other's drug. What's interesting about an affair is after all of the lust and the buildup, is it still a fantasy? They're not bogged down with the realities of life. So really, they're both making love with an idealized image about each other. Heather is the perfect woman, David is the perfect man, and together they have the perfect union. But Heather has always known that David has a wife. And as the affair continues, she wants to understand his exact situation. Heather asked David, well, do you have any kids? And he told her that he had a little boy and another little baby girl on the way that his wife was pregnant. Heather is shocked by the news. This is more than she is prepared for. Does she really want to share David with his wife and expanding family? Or is there another way out of this messy love triangle? It's 1998 in Katy, Texas. High school football coach David Temple has been having an affair with a beautiful new English teacher named Heather. And she's just learned that not only is David married to Belinda, but he has a three-year-old son and another child on the way. Although the news of David's family is upsetting to Heather, she doesn't end the affair. She'd say that she felt sick to her stomach about it, thinking about it, but obviously not sick enough because she didn't break off the relationship. Nothing changed. In fact, Heather and David only become more deeply involved. Even Heather's roommate can see that the relationship is heating up fast. Heather's roommate started noticing that David was showing up at their townhouse and spending a lot of time with Heather and that gifts were arriving, flowers and perfume and, and jewelry for Heather from David. David really gave her that impression that she was the special one. So not only was there the sexual chemistry, this feeling that they had the perfect union, added on top of that was the extra charge that she was winning. She was winning this man away from a wife who was giving him a child. By the end of 1998, David starts taking serious risks in his marriage. He announces to Belinda that he won't be spending the New Year's holiday with her. Belinda had said that she wanted to spend New Year's Eve with him, but he decided to go hunting. And we thought that was odd because 
Belinda was due with her baby within a month or so, and sometimes you come early. Belinda and David argue over his planned trip. She's very upset. They get into a little argument about it because she didn't want him to go, and he just told her, I'm going hunting. So he packed up his guns and left on New Year's Eve to go off hunting. Didn't give her any details. But David's story about a hunting trip is just another layer of deception. He's actually going to Heather's house for a New Year's Eve party all their own. And he even brags to her about how he fooled his wife. He kind of laughs about the fact that he told Belinda he was going hunting. And he makes the comment that, well, my wife's not stupid, so he brought some guns along to make it look like he was telling her the truth about where he was going. That night, David and Heather celebrate the new year in the most intimate way they can. And he spent the weekend with her, watching football and making love. David and Heather are basically drunk on their own passion. They can't get enough of one another. They long for each other. They're meeting each other's needs. It feels fantastic. The fact that David and Heather spent a holiday weekend over a significant holiday, New Year's, meant that in their own minds, they were really committing to one another. They were planning for the new year and their future. After their romantic weekend together, David begins this new year by declaring his deepening feelings for Heather. In the war for David's affections, it's Heather who's winning. He told her he had fallen totally in love with her, and she said that she felt the same way, and their relationship seemed to be moving to the next level. Just a few days later is January 11th, 1999, a day that will change everyone's lives beyond imagining. It's a normal start to what looks like a typical day. After dropping their son off at daycare, Belinda and David head to work. But just hours later, the daycare center calls Belinda. Her son is sick and needs to go home. Her son was running a temperature. She got a hold of David, and he said he would meet her at the house. Belinda left work, picked up her son, and had made arrangements to meet David at the family home so she could return to work because she was pregnant and didn't want to lose her sick leave. David meets Belinda at their house, and he takes over caring for their son for the rest of the day. She returned to the school at 1 o'clock. I remember looking at the clock, and I said, oh, you were fast, Belinda. You did a good job. At about 3.45 PM, Belinda finishes out her day and returns home from work. David then decides to take their son out with him to run some errands. When David returns home around 5.30, he finds something very disturbing before he even walks into the house. Temple noticed that the glass in the window of the back door had been broken. He then went immediately over to his next door neighbor's house, pounded on his door, carrying his son, and when the neighbor entered the door, he said, someone's broken into my house. Can you take care of my son for me? And went back over to his own house. Fearing that something terrible has happened, David Temple charges into his home. And the shocking scene that he finds inside will tear apart his beautiful young family in the most horrific way imaginable. 
It's January 11, 1999 in Katy, Texas. High school football coach David Temple has been having an affair with a beautiful teacher named Heather. And he's just returned home to find that someone may have broken into the house he shares with his pregnant wife, Belinda. David Temple said that he went inside the house, he went upstairs, and when he got upstairs, he saw Belinda in the closet. David is met with a horrifying sight. Belinda is lying face down on the floor with a massive wound to her head. And he immediately called 911. Fire and ambulance. Oh, I just walked in my wife. I believe she's been shot. It's got blood everywhere. Okay, sir, is she breathing? No. She's eight months pregnant. Okay, sweetie. Just stay on the phone with me, okay? <laughs> Police respond to the urgent call, and just moments later, they arrive at the Temple House. But they have difficulty getting past the family's protective dog, Shaka. Shaka was this brown dog that David had had since college, and it had a reputation going back to college as being a vicious animal. People at Katie were afraid of that dog. Shaka charged the fence at the gate. They wanted to get in the house. They didn't know what was going on. They had a report of a woman in distress upstairs. They needed to get in there. The only option they had at one point was to consider shooting the dog. But the dog heals once David walks out of the house. Police make their way to the bedroom and find Belinda. They quickly determined that she'd been shot once in the back of the head. Both Belinda and her baby girl are pronounced dead at the scene. I watch the news every day. You see things like that happen, but you don't, you don't think it's going to be somebody you know. It's horrible. You know, it, uh, I can't even describe it. I, it. It took my breath away. I just couldn't imagine anyone wanting to kill Belinda. That's a day that I'll never forget. I went to my knees. I wanted the, the right person arrested. I brought that girl into this world, and I figured it was my duty to take care of her. The investigation into the tragedy begins immediately. The house appears to have been ransacked, suggesting to police that Belinda could have been the victim of a robbery gone wrong. A cordless phone was found alongside Belinda's body, suggesting she grabbed the phone and hid in the closet and wanted to, to call for help. But there are some details that don't quite make sense. Inside the house, you saw some drawers a little open in the dining room area with things kind of peeked out of them a little bit. Nothing really rifled through in much depth. But in the entire house, they didn't take anything. They didn't take a VCR, a TV, no jewelry, no money, no dishes. They took nothing at all out from the house. Because he was the first person to discover the body, Police ask David to go to the police station to give a statement, and he complies. David said that he had taken his son out to a park that afternoon and to get a drink, and then stopped to look for a bracket for a shelf. Surveillance tapes from two stores verify his presence there in the time it looks like Belinda was murdered. Police release David that night. Meanwhile, the investigation intensifies. It's not long before detectives discover 
that David seems to have some kind of significant relationship with a female teacher at school. And they bring Heather in for questioning. When police originally questioned Heather about her relationship with David, she called it just kind of a casual romantic relationship. She didn't imply that there was anything going on, that they'd pledged any love or that there was any sexual involvement. Meanwhile, an autopsy is conducted on Belinda's body. It reveals that she was shot at point-blank range in the back of the head with a 12-gauge shotgun. But the weapon cannot be found. However, there is someone nearby who has access to a 12-gauge shotgun. Belinda's troubled teenage student, Mark. Could he be a killer? He had been involved with a group of kids who had been involved in a house robbery. And one of the things that was stolen was a 12-gauge shotgun. Police bring Mark in for questioning. There were good reasons why the police were looking at the teenager next door as a suspect. One of them was that he wasn't where he said he was that afternoon. He told police initially that he was at school, but the truth was that he cut his classes and left early. Another thing was that he repeatedly failed polygraphs that he agreed to take. It seems as though police may have found Belinda's killer, but they have to be very sure before bringing such a grave charge. As detectives dig deeper, they struggle to find hard evidence to link Mark to the murder. It turned out, however, when they took a closer look at the kid next door that he didn't have a motive for doing this. He had never appeared angry at Belinda. There was no forensic evidence found that showed that he had been ever in the Temple household. And there were others who substantiated his alibi for the day. Without a clear motive, and with his alibi holding up, police cross Mark off their suspect list. Now, detectives go back to re-examine the crime scene files. They're desperate for any new leads in the terrible murder. And their doubts that Belinda was killed by a burglar escalate. The condition of the scene points to it being staged. One of the most compelling pieces of evidence in this whole alleged burglary explanation of David Temple's was the glass that came from the back patio door. If the glass had been broken by a burglar, police would have expected to find the broken glass directly behind the door. But most of the glass is off to an angle on one side of the door. It doesn't add up. The common sense explanation for that is that glass was broken when the door was already open and ajar. Well, why in the world would a burglar do that? The robbery just didn't look like a robbery. There was jewelry that was sitting out in the open that would have been easily seen and easy to take by a true burglar. There was a plate with David's watch and his gold championship ring from college sitting out in the open. No one had disturbed it. So why break into a house and shoot an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant woman in the back of the head, upstairs, in her closet, inside of her master bedroom, go through the whole house, walk out the back door, and not even take anything? Why do that? Police go back to the beginning and search for anyone who could have a motive to kill Belinda. 
Then, more about David's secret life starts to come to light. It was Heather's roommate who came forward to flesh out the true relationship between Heather and David for police. Perhaps the most compelling thing the roommate told police was how David and Heather had proclaimed their love to one another just days before Belinda Temple was found murdered in the Temple home. The new information takes investigators from curious to deeply suspicious. Now, two people have a strong motive for wanting Belinda out of the way. Could the two lovers have made a horrific plan? David Temple's pregnant wife, Belinda, has been shot to death in their bedroom in Katy, Texas. And police have now grown suspicious of him and his relationship with his mistress, Heather. David maintains he has an airtight alibi, having been seen on surveillance videos at local stores that afternoon. But investigators start to believe he might have had the opportunity to commit the murder before he left the house. At first glance, the detectives thought that David Temple had a potential alibi because there is a videotape showing David Temple in the store. So you would think, oh, wow, he really was running the errands that he said he was. But when you break it down, he's got plenty of time before he leaves the house that day to murder Belinda. And more evidence, including the behavior of the Temple's dog, Shaka, begins to pile up. One of the strongest pieces of evidence we had was Shaka. Everybody, friend, neighbor, cop, anybody that knew anything about David and Belinda agreed on how ferocious and fierce and protective that dog was. I thought it was odd that anyone could get past the dog without someone recognizing it or coming over to see what the problem was. Shaka would not have allowed a stranger into that yard. He was very protective. If the police could get past that dog, how would a burglar? But David Temple had gotten the dog to let police into the house that day. Still, some in the district attorney's office don't think there's enough evidence to win a conviction in David's case. Investigators certainly were suspicious of David Temple. They had a lot of pieces of evidence that seemed to indicate he was involved in his wife's murder. But they didn't have that one piece of evidence that they really needed which was the murder weapon. Without any hard evidence or new leads, the case sits and eventually goes cold. And in the spring of 2001, two years after Belinda's murder, David Temple weds his girlfriend, Heather. Heather and David married in a ceremony, a country club wedding that her parents threw. Only two of his fellow coaches showed up. A lot of them declined. The reason was that there was this cloud hanging over them from Belinda's murder. People were still wondering, had David been involved? Over the next three years, David and Heather move on from the violent crime and happily settle into their new life together. Then in November 2004, an event takes place in California that radically changes prosecutors' understanding of Belinda's case. A jury convicts Scott Peterson of murdering his wife, Lacey, who was eight months pregnant. The similarities to Belinda Temple's case are striking. Scott Peterson is convicted of doing precisely the same thing that they believe David has done. 
You had uh, women who were both pregnant, about ready to deliver children. Both Scott Peterson and David Temple were having affairs at the time that their wives were murdered. And suddenly, it appears feasible that a jury will believe this, that they will understand that David Temple may have murdered his wife. I think this sort of served as a spark for Harris County prosecutors and investigators to take another look at the case and use the Peterson case as a precedent in an attempt uh, to get a conviction of David Temple. The district attorney asks a top prosecutor to look at the cold case, the tragic loss of a young mother and her unborn child. And a theory about Belinda's murder comes into sharper focus. Belinda entered her house that day. David was standing there waiting for her. He had had the chance and the time of over two hours to think about what was going to happen when Belinda got home. Prosecutors believe David then led Belinda upstairs and forced her into the bedroom closet, shooting her once in the back of the head. He wanted to erase Belinda so that he could live his new life with Heather. And he didn't care that in order to do that, he had to murder his wife and his unborn child. David then staged the scene to look like a robbery. On November 30th, 2004, nearly six long years after Belinda Temple's murder, her husband David is arrested. Due to procedural delays, it takes almost another three years for the case to get to trial. And one troubling weakness in the case remains, police never found the murder weapon, a 12-gauge shotgun. But during trial, prosecutors finally find a witness who could corroborate that David Temple had access to such a gun. A friend of the family who used to hunt with the Temple boys came forward. And he said that he remembered the shotguns that they had used to hunt with, the ones that the, the three brothers had, and that they were all 12-gauge shotguns. This testimony was incredibly important because it was the first time that the prosecutors had been able to put a 12-gauge shotgun in David Temple's hands. To this day, the murder weapon has never been found. But in court, prosecutors theorize that David Temple disposed of it the afternoon of the murder while he was out running errands. David was seen by a high school friend that afternoon at about 5 o'clock in his pickup truck. But the really interesting thing was that it was north, farther north than he was supposed to be. David was seen in an area that's surrounded by rice fields. Why is he going to where all the rice fields and canals are? You know, we always believed that he went there to get rid of the shotgun. Prosecutors believe David's affair with Heather is the key motive for Belinda's murder. They believe he became so obsessed by Heather, he did the unthinkable. But they find no evidence of Heather's involvement in the crime, and no charges are brought against her. I don't think she had any idea that he was going to do what he did. Should she have broken up with him? Absolutely. Um, should she have started the relationship with him? Of course not. But I think it began as flirting that led to the rest of it, and now here we are. At the end of the trial, the jury finally reads the verdict. David Temple is guilty of murder in the first degree.
It was just such a heartless, selfish thing to do. It was such a horrendous murder. He took from us a very, very good person who never hurt anybody. So it was very traumatic. Belinda Temple was a great lady. Everybody loved her. And she had a baby girl growing in her tummy. And her own husband that she still loved is the one who killed her. How does it get more tragic and horrible and sad than that? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.